sexual health, hormones, menopause, sex ed. How was your sex ed? What do you wish it was like? Hi everyone, it's Dr. Anna Kabeca. I'm the Girlfriend Doctor, and it is my mission and passion to help women live better lives before, during, and after menopause. So welcome to the Girlfriend Doctor podcast. It is an intimate place for intimate conversation. And today I have with me my oldest daughter, Brittany, and she brought up to me how sexual health is such a taboo subject for so many people in her life as well as the clients she's helped me with and amidst her 20 and 30 year old friends so we decided to have a fireside chat and we invite you into the conversation with us no shame no guilt no apologies we pull back the curtain on all things related to sexual health libido you name it we are talking about it today and the conversation continues so let's get to it we are live and we are here for you for our fireside chat and as we go live i am here with my oldest daughter Brittany, and we're going to talk about how we redefine female sexual energy see female sexual health and how important this is to our lives. So join us here in our fireside chat. And I am glad for you. We are live on Facebook. We'll be live in a second on Instagram and at Dr. Anna C. Join me at my main Facebook page at Dr. Anna C. I'm also live in a couple of my private groups. So I want to welcome everyone in my Keto Green community and my Magic Menopause group and in my private group called Sexual CPR. So I want to thank you guys for joining us today. We have been talking about sexual health and answering questions for women as we proceed through a journey of sex education for those of us that are 20 and beyond. And why 20 year olds? Because we often hear from our clients how much they wish they had this information when they were younger, when they were in when they were young adults, when they were in their first relationship. And I'm Dr. Anna Kabeca. I am the girlfriend doctor and I have four daughters. I have four daughters ages 12 to age 30. So I am here with my daughter, Brittany, and it's actually Brittany's brainchild idea to have this sexual health discussion. And here I am. So you guys, you know, there's no such thing as too much information. You can ask me anything and I am here to help. So join our fireside chat today as we authentically, guiltlessly, shamelessly discuss all things related to our female sexuality, our female sexual health, and answering those questions. And even just share with me, what do you wish you knew 20 years ago? What do you need to know now? What questions do you have? And we're going to talk about things such as anatomy, such as, you know, even post-pregnancy, how to take care of ourselves and, you know, and, and redefining what it means to be a sexually empowered woman. Right. In all its holistic nature and all its beauty and and all our giftings. So join. I'm glad. Don't be shy to ask questions. You are welcome to do this. So let me introduce you to Brittany, my oldest daughter. Many 
of you in my community know her as Brittany Vida Pura. She is Brittany Vida Pura. So Brittany, tell us about, you know, what inspired you to make me do this. Well, thank you, Dr. Anna, aka Ma, for having me on here. I was really inspired to do this after working with you and with exploring the depths of women's health and sexual health over the last couple years that I've been with the business and being a social manager for your magic menopause program. And I've met so many wonderful women all over the world, seeing these transformations in their life. And so many women said to me, I wish I had this knowledge when I was your age, they could avoid it so much. They could avoid so much pain and suffering through that. And with all the information I was learning, I was thinking, note to self, this is, you need to apply this to yourself, share the knowledge to your sisters and to your friends. And then I thought, why does it stop there? Because especially as I've been reuniting, I reunited with some high school acquaintances the other day, or the other day, it was the other month. And I realized what a lack of sexual education and and just female anatomy in general, like girls, my age, women, my age coming to me and telling me some of the issues that they've been having. And some of them not even fully aware of their female anatomy. And I want to share this information. And I'm so glad that you came here being the expertise that you are to really teach women, especially at the young age of 20 and through their thirties, especially in their thirties, because this is where we, I mean, any age, but this is where we really need to start taking our health seriously. And so we can live an optimal, healthy life, not just physically, but mentally and hormonally Mm -hmm. and sexually as well. Mm -hmm. So we did get some questions. So, and and so Brittany was inspired. I mean, just share with you, Brittany was inspired to ask her peers what questions do you have about sexual health and boldly and bravely? I'm so proud of you, by the way. So proud Mm -hmm. of you. And, and, you know, just boldly and bravely asking, okay, well, what are your questions? What are your concerns? What do you need to know? Like, what are some taboo areas that you wish someone other than the media or late night, um, pornography, pornography, (laughs) thank you very much. Was, was sharing with you. Let me just check my audio here real quick yes. and I'll be right with you. And next. I will touch base on one of the big things that is really not just hearing from the magic menopause women, but taking it back to the very beginning of our sex education in our middle school that carries on into our high school. Majority of us, I think we all agree that we received little to no real education in that department. I mean, most of the time it's co-ed. Therefore, it's very gets complicated to ask questions like middle school girls don't like to talk to about sexual health periods etc with middle school boys yeah no i just want to make sure you guys can hear me better now i just fixed the audio just give me a thumbs up hello cheers anything to let me know um that you can hear me now i see some of my uh great friends out here lorraine cheryl donna joining us in our community so guys thank you and be sure to tag and share, create a watch party. I mean, who doesn't want to have fireside chat with us right now and talking about all things, really what it means to be a sexually empowered woman, shamelessly, guiltlessly, and in all holistic, in all holistic ways. And, and um, Joshua said, Brittany is awesome. Well, great to have men listening uh-huh. to great to have men listening to Mary says, I've been thinking lately that women's health infertility, pregnancy, sexual organ health, hormonally, et cetera, should be your next deep 
<laughs> deep dive book. Thank you, Mary. I, I have many books on the way to come. So Mary, thank you. And guys, don't be afraid to ask your questions, but we are definitely doing a deep dive today and having this conversation, not just for us, but for, I mean, I love having this conversation with you, Brittany. I love having this conversation earlier today. Your sisters were, your younger mm -hmm. sisters were involved and mm -hmm. they were bringing up points of interest and, and question and controversy. Yes. <laughs> so that's our, uh, my 12 year old yeah. daughter. So Brittany's youngest sister, my youngest daughter was like, mm, not having any part of it. Nope. I'm good. I am good. She was telling me. So um, mm -hmm. anyway, I'm really proud of my daughters for being bold and brave and, and beautifully sharing this information. So questions that we've gotten and, and yeah, uh, well, Brittany also was like, you know, telling me, she said, I, I was having this mini reunion with my friends and they were, you know, what, you know, a couple had had children and still didn't understand their anatomy or our physiologic changes. And, and it's really critical, you know, as an obstetrician, as a gynecologist, what is healthy, what's not healthy, what is normal, what's not normal, where's our anatomy normal? Oh, Amira, will you bring the orchids? Thank you. <laughs> And that's a that's a huge part of it, of what we define as normal, especially when as the youth, we're getting our information from unjust sources. Like say if, if a child is learning. Well, let's start this again. Because okay. your experience was, how did you learn? Now here I was, I became your mom at seven. You came yeah. to live with us at 15. Yes. And there was, you know, like, Hey, do you want to have this conversation? Yeah. You're like, Hell no, and I'm, I'm this conversation. and I'm blessed to have two mothers, two loving mothers that are one is both very open and one is an OBGYN, but I was still so insecure and scared about the way I felt like I wasn't normal that even when I started my first menstrual cycle, I locked myself in the bathroom to read instructions on how to use a tampon because I thought I could not bring myself to just even ask either of my moms. I had choices and I couldn't even do that. And then my first of learning about sex was late night cable porn. And that what? is not yeah. Are you kidding me? Oh, Am I no. first learning about this right now? What? I know I'm not alone in that. I know I'm not alone. Mm -hmm. But it's it's not real. It's so it's it's. Thank you. Yeah. I would say, like, and this is something that I say, and I teach this in my program, sexual CPR. You know, this is porn is to reality as an Arnold Schwarzenegger film is to reality, right? Like we know there's no comparison. There's no comparison in reality. And that is really important to understand. But yet those early, those messages that our youth are getting are also creating insecurities, unrealistic mm -hmm. comparisons, and, and a lot of, um, I mean, sexual trauma yes. and as well as and, and for women, you know, trauma in our understanding of what is real, what can be expected. And we had this actual fun conversation earlier, like what would an orgasm actually feel like for you if you never saw someone virtually fake an orgasm or heard about faking an orgasm? What mm -hmm. if you never had that in your mind, like Harry met Sally, you guys know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> Mary, I know you saw the movie. Josh, I know you saw the movie. But like that Harry met Sally faked orgasm, right? Like, what is that like when, you know, what would, what would that be like? And of course, we're not faking orgasms. That's rule number one. No more faking orgasms. Mm -mm. Mm -hmm. Thank that's, you. Because to really embrace what is that truth, 
truthfully for you? What is pleasure truthfully for you? And, and where you don't have other unrealistic expectations or standards that you're supposed to live up to, then what does a true intimacy and a true loving, intimate experience, what does that feel like so that we can even move away from the perceptions and preconceptions of what intimacy is supposed to be, what Mm -hmm. sex is supposed to be. And we received some amazing questions. Let's run through those questions, Brittany. Absolutely. So I want to welcome George also. Great men and women. This is a a safe space to have conversations and definitely share your questions, share your early, maybe uh, lessons learned, like what's what's real, what's not real. Definitely put these in the comments and share your, your questions, your point of views. We, Brittany has been doing a great job about bringing this up and bringing this information, bringing this opportunity to ask questions shamelessly, guiltlessly, and without judgment. So, so share away. Thank you guys for being here today. Nita says, hello, Dr. Anna. Brittany is so confident. Excellent. Uh, Cheryl said, you are awesome, Brittany. Thank you. Thank you. So some of the questions we received, I'll try to group them together based on topic. So in regards to orgasm, what what's the difference between a clitoral orgasm and a pelvic floor orgasm? And how can you achieve multiple in one try? That's just in one. This is a good question. Why do I feel the need to lay with a man only to feel used afterwards with no pleasure? And I feel like that that gets um that takes it to a personal level of like why do we cuz i i'm all for being a sexually empowered woman we are human we have sexual needs but we also i feel like need to first and foremost understand our needs and our wants and i know especially in your cpr a sexual cpr program within the first the first chapter of it essentially it's discovering what it is you want we also have questions regarding to having this woman's having constant yeast infections, boric acid suppositories help, but she still doesn't know what to do p- to prevent them. And people would like to understand a better understanding of all the challenges or the changes that happen after giving birth and to ending breastfeeding. Also, is there such thing as too much masturbation? That seems to be a common question. Uh, is it possible to damage nerves from so much masturbation, which Dr. Anna refers to as self-pleasuring? So we will call it that from now on. Mm-hmm. We don't like the word mm-hmm. masturbation. And um, because these women are saying just years later, it doesn't feel the same. So they're wondering if maybe they damaged themselves. And the term, if you don't use it, you lose it. Is it true? I'm worried about not being able to self-lubricate when I'm older. Also, will certain foods or activities help me along the line? Thank you. And we have one woman who's been trying to get pregnant for over a year now. She was never on birth control. Has um, also gone to her doctor and she has said everything was fine. Is there anything she can do differently? Well, these are powerful questions, right? And this is in the concept of, of sexual health and education. Where where do we begin, right? Cheryl wrote here, I learned mostly from friends, but also the books, Girls and Sex and Boys and Sex. So, um, you know, great resources too. Let's, let's talk about this. 
So where should we start? Which question do you want to start with? Because mm. there are many issues. And we also received a question in about fibroids, uterine fibroids and and pain with sex and how that can really affect us. I think I think one of the most important conversations really stems from that question. Why do I feel a need mm-hmm. to lay with someone and feel, read, read her question again, because that is so powerful. It's not alone. And I think one of the things is like the hashtag me too movement really brought to attention the abuse or victimization and or many small traumas that from a young age that women are exposed to being objectified in their in their life in their womanhood and how that can affect each other and then yeah and that starts early being objectified i mean my sisters and i were talking about that this morning we remember getting cat calls starting in middle school and so these are you know 12, 13 year old children that grown men are whistling at that they're looking at as a sexual object. And so this woman, her question was, why do I feel the need to lay with a man only to feel used afterwards with no pleasure? I think that comes from just a wanting that connection with someone that, that attention, that what you think is going to be reciprocal, but in the end, kind of diving deep too soon. I don't know. What are you, what are I your think, thoughts? I think it's that same part about instant gratification versus, you know, delayed gratification and also knowing what you want. And I think this, this is really an important question. And my heart goes out to women and, and especially any of us that have had early sexual abuse, mm-hmm. because there is a boundary that is, that is removed. And many women who have experienced many young women who have experienced early sexual abuse often have that inability to draw that line. And it's not because we don't want to. It seems like there is an invisible boundary that has been taken from us that no has been, that no boundary has been crossed. And so the hormone, you know, that is from sexual intimacy, from being acknowledged as a woman that validation Mm. of our femininity, of our sexuality, and having that uh, ability to say either yes or no is often those lines are blurred. Those lines are blurred. And then oxytocin, the hormone of orgasm, for instance, is is also a powerful drug. And that instant gratification is there. But like who hasn't been intimate, whether it's been sexual intimacy or not, but who hasn't and then has have looked back and said, what the hell was I thinking? Yes. Moments, right? Yeah. What the hell was I thinking? Why did I allow myself? And this wasn't a relationship that I would have pursued anyway, regardless, mm-hmm. and, and can have regrets over that situation. So again, I talk about shamelessly, guiltlessly, and honestly, to let go of any old um, preconceptions or misconceptions, but to really know what you want what your goals are, how, what you stand for as a woman and what you will accept and what you won't accept. And this is really powerful, no matter how old you are, you know, in my fifties, being a single mom, not currently dating, but knowing what I will accept, what I won't accept and where that line of intimacy 
is crossed because that, that oxytocin hormone, that hormone of love bonding and connection, as well as dopamine, the novelty seeking hormone, that thrill seeking hormone, those are really powerful drugs. And so we have to be really clear what our boundaries are, what we will accept, what we won't accept, our non-negotiables in forming a relationship. And I tell my girls all the time, there's 10 steps till you get to physical intimacy. You really have to know the other, I mean, you really want to, right? You really want to, you want to have no regrets. So you really want to know the, not to mention, we're going to talk about swapping microbiome and her favorite all line. RNA fastest RNA way to turn you DNA off and all that, you know, all that stuff. We talk about swapping microbiome. That is a whole nother discussion for my girls have heard this over and I'm like, do you really want to swipe microbiome, swap microbiome with that person? But beyond that, it is, it is, it is truly about um, knowing, like knowing someone so that we have the time, like it's like planting a garden, right? You take the time to nourish the the seed, the soil, the and it takes time to really develop a healthy relationship. Mm-hmm. And if you rush too quickly, you've missed steps. And and it's hard to backtrack. And often it's like, oh man, I wish I didn't. And we don't want to have regrets. Mm-hmm. So being patient and taking time is important, but also knowing what took away that invisible boundary. Why did why did you, me, uh, she have to feel like I had to satisfy this person sexually or I had to be satisfied sexually and now I regret it. Now I feel used. Mm-hmm. And what creates that sensation? And I think it comes down to what we talked about earlier as we, you know, have a 12-year-old in the house, right? Like how do we create a healthy, confident, self-confident woman who knows exactly what she wants, what she will allow, what she won't allow, and who she allows to enter into her inner circle. Right. And it really takes, like, I want a prince for you, right? A good, kingly, confident person that- Me too. Yeah. (laughs) That cherishes you and loves you, and you can't do it in one night. As hot and sexy as that person might be, it doesn't happen overnight. Very rarely with exception. Let's not look at those- 0.001% 0.001% of exceptions yes. that we hear about. There's always the exceptions. Right. Yeah. And I think that with a girl to a woman really understanding what it is she wants and what she will and will not accept, I think that also comes with finding yourself coming into, especially when it comes to, I feel like in one sense, like your, your, your physical self can be much harder to get to love and understand than your emotional self, your mental and emotional self. I mean, I remember being so insecure when I was younger, always thinking I was never skinny enough or never pretty enough or like thinking that my- Can anyone relate to that right now? I mean- And and I look at pictures of the times that I would beat myself up and I look and I was like, I was a cute kid, like a cute girl. Like, what is this? So I, I really want- girls and women no matter what age but just to really love and uh, to to understand that they are uniquely beautifully perfect just as they are we don't need outside reinforcement of this yes. right we do not need outside confirmation of this we have to take it internally this book by mary shores i love this this book conscious communication y'all please get this book but what she talks about she talks about a movie she saw based on um, Louise Hayes' film, You Can Heal heal Your Life, and how in the first scene, a woman in the car is berating and bullying herself in unspoken but pervasively critical ways. She says things like, 
I'm so stupid. I hate this. I'm such an idiot. I always do this. Why did I do this? I'm going to be late. I look like the walking dead. Why am I acquiescing to everyone? Right. And that's that sense of, okay, I'm no longer acting in my truth. And the same with sexuality, because I had sex with this person on the slide, or I allowed myself to be used by this person. How am I so stupid? Or what was I thinking? You know, and then we don't talk about, like I always say, a, a good Southern woman doesn't talk about her exes because we don't want people to know how stupid we were. But <laughs> the truth is, knowing that, um, you know, really, and that comes to being being kind to ourselves Mm -hmm. and knowing what we want, what we will accept, what we want. Like, again, the non-negotiables, the Mm non-negotiables and being patient. We have an infinity of time. Yeah. I mean, even just the way you, you talk to yourself is really you setting like the boundaries of how you're letting other people talk to you. So if you're, if you're constantly inflicting negative talk in whatever form that may be, you're going to let other people do the same thing because you hear it all the time from yourself. And that's, if you don't value yourself, how do you expect someone to value you? Exactly. So how do we now gain this value and understand that? Yeah. Well, I think with this discussion being based on sexual education, I think one of the, the biggest topics is female anatomy mm-hmm. too. And just understanding, especially when it comes to, to girls that are wrongly educated of sex through pornography that is usually not real sex and made strictly for men, that all the women look a certain way. Even their female anatomy all look a certain way. And and, and we even discussed even women who have had children, even women in our 50s, 60s and beyond aren't really familiar with our anatomy or haven't begun to love their own anatomy. And I always say clitoris to anus, that is prime real estate. That is the most important part of our body. Most prime and real estate. I'm a gynecologist, right? <laughs> and so keeping it healthy is really, really important. Keeping it healthy. And I had my daughter bring up this beautiful orchid plant that I, I received as a gift. And just like every flower, every face is different. Why wouldn't every vulva be different? And what in our society makes us think that we have to have a, makes us think that we have to have a Barbie doll vulva, right? Honestly, that's an abusive way to victimize and objectify women. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's be honest. Here, yeah, right. Absolutely. But like every flower of the orchid is unique and beautiful and different the same with us the same with our face our hair our you know pelvic area our vulvar area and uh, many women and i've had clients coming in 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 their late teens and 20s saying i look differently than what i think is normal right or my breasts are different or my vulva is different and you know my anatomy is different and questioning, well, am I normal? Is there something wrong with me? And just like every flower on this orchid plant is beautiful and unique, and so is our anatomy. Like that is critical. Um, Jerry said, I'm prone Brown to UTIs after sex. Any suggestions besides using restroom right after? I have a perfect answer for that. Another client said, For all young women out there, unfortunately, I'm not one of them, different steps leading up to sex might be something to discuss deeper. Those things to seek in relationship before being physical. Uh, Kimberly, I love that because I always say 10 steps, right? Like 10 is being physically intimate. 
what are the steps one through nine? And, and we can definitely address that too. And then Jerry said, uh, oh good, we talked about that prone. And then another user said, agree, female anatomy needs to be at the forefront of women's education, right? And um, someone else said, love the conversation, ladies. Thank you. I want to I want to share that. So female anatomy, and I think that ORCID is a pure example of female anatomy. So the normal anatomy being the the clitoris, like the like even the concept of of three holes, right? The the um, urethra, the vagina, and the anus. I mean, three, and they can be different for each person. Like the urethra can be more internal into the vagina or more external, and that also can affect urinary infections after sex. The more internal the urethra is. And also as we get older too, naturally the muscles around the urethra relax. So keeping those tissues and that muscle healthy is really important. And then what the, you know, the vulva looks like normal and unique for each individual and as well having healthy anal tissue, not with fissures or hemorrhoids and how we can do so much to prevent that. But what normal anatomy looks like. And I love the orchid because, you know, from the vulva, the, the I always say labia minora, labia majora, the inner lips, the outer lips, just like the leaves on a um, orchid. Just each one is different and beautiful. And we think when we think of anatomy, just normal anatomy. Maybe another time we'll do um, a full <laughs> anatomy yeah, lesson. A full anatomy lesson later. Jerry is agreeing emotional intimacy before physical intimacy. I mean, I remember Thank in you. my Thank sex you. education class, the most they gave us on female anatomy was an outline of the side of a woman, just a, just a black line outline. And it had where the vagina is and they took a tampon and did that. And they're like, that's how you insert a tampon. That's all. And that's, that's all I got. I was, I was like, hell no, hell no. I'm not stabbing myself like that. Mm. But they never, they didn't. I've never, I never heard the word vulva until I was in my twenties. I never had the whole lesson of labia majora, labia minora, urethra, vagina, anus. I never had that until I was out of high school. And then when I still, it's so it, it's, I, I think it's one, it's very important to know it's part of you. And we need to, just as you always say, our vaginal health is vital to our overall health mm -hmm. as well. And so it's vital for us, not only just for health wise, but like optimum pleasure as well. And so it, it was really um, disheartening when I reunite with people and they're, you know, living life and they're, they've already had um, children, but yet they don't know that and they're not reaching their, their maximum, like optimal health or pleasure well, central. And, and let's be honest, how many people have been married for decades and have been faking orgasms for a long time, yes. right? Or have not experienced true pleasure. And this even relates to my clinical experience. I had uh, one of my clients who was 37 years old. She'd been married for 12 years, had two children with her husband and confessed to me that she'd never had a, a pelvic orgasm. This was one of the questions that we got clitoral versus pelvic or uterine orgasm. What's the difference? And so with working with even just you know, just redefining like what is pleasurable to you. Mm -hmm. Like, first of all, don't think about what's what you've seen on TV, yes. what you imagine in the fictitious world of, of whatever you've seen, what is honestly true to you? 
Let us discern what is real to me right now. What feels good? What doesn't feel good? And it is so unique, just like our fingerprints unique, like the orchid flowers are unique. It is unique to each of us. Some women love breast stimulation. Other women's it's a, it's a huge turnoff. Mm-hmm. And, and this is so true. So with that, in working with her and saying, okay, well, this is G spot. This is where, what can help with stimulation, being able to stimulate both the clitoris and the G spot during orgasm and just being really called sensate focused, just being really in touch with the sensation that you're feeling and being able, it always comes down to communication. Yes. Being able to express what you like and what you don't like. And I remember a, a 3 a.m. emergent text message, Dr. Anna help. And I was like, okay, what's going on? And uh, Lisa said, she goes, Dr. Ann, I'm like having these uterine, we just had sex. I'm having these, these pelvic cramps, this, I don't know what's wrong. What happened? I'm like, oh, that's a pelvic orgasm. Congratulations. I'm going back to sleep now. <laughs> but at a, at a, you know, a, a 30 year, you know, in her, in her late thirties, like to experience that for the first time, but powerful when you uh, let go of those preconceptions and you understand what is true to you. And this is where you know, marriages can get disconnected mm-hmm. where we're, uh, and, and it's so important because I, I, I run across this, you know, even in doing this talk about sex ed for twenties and beyond, like, Oh, well, wait a second. You know, in the Christian communities, we can't communicate about sex. I'm like, wait, we're in the Bible. Does it says that because the song of Solomon's pretty darn awesome. <laughs> and you know, and, and intimacy and pleasure is important for a couple, for the longevity of a marriage, for the intimacy to reignite and reunite a couple for that longevity. And that is powerful. That is a powerful point. And it needs to be no matter how disconnected you've been, that reignition and reuniting experience can just transform your life. And I've had clients, of course, tell me, you know, like we were, we were roommates and now we're boyfriend and girlfriend again, and we've been married 20 something years. And I love hearing that stuff because it also comes into that woman's power, Mm -hmm. you know, reigniting that empowerment, what it means to be a sexually empowered woman. And it, and it's not this slut shaming, right? It's not this. And this is where we have to really distinguish what do we want versus what do we think someone wants of us? Mm -hmm. And that that's a differentiating factor. Absolutely. Absolutely. So for someone that has, does not know, or maybe has not heard of a G spot, how would you define that? Ah, okay. So the G spot is really an anatomical area that's on the, uh, how do we go? You translate for me on the anterior wall of the vagina. And I always tell clients, like if you're laying that's down, <laughs> if you're laying down, right. Um, you're laying, you know, for example, this, you put two this fingers into the vagina, right. The anterior wall. And you put two fingers into the vagina. It's always like go in the front door. So the, vagina, the opening of the vagina, go up to the second floor and the back of the front window. That is a where you will feel the G-spot, that sensation. And so that's why in, in positioning yourself for maximum sensation, whether it's self or with your lover, how you can enhance that experience. And then again, focusing on what feels good, what doesn't feel good, but allowing yourself to experience it. And it takes time too for the G spot to, you know, to have an increase in blood flow, to get engorged and you can actually feel it um, thickening and essentially like the prostate in a man, but the G spot in a woman. So that it gets mm. a thickening, gets increased sensation and you can feel that. So through the front door to the second floor, to the back window, to the back of the front window, back of the front window. Yep. So All right. And up and There's your forward. cliff notes for it. 
There you go. Room for your homework. G-spot. Miss Hill says, hi. Hi, Miss Hill. We're here to answer questions on sex ed 20 and beyond and really understanding what it is. Um, Jerry said, again, emotional intimacy before physical. Absolutely. There's 10 steps. I always say to my my daughters and a Facebook user said, current sex ed has not improved. It is the same. My daughter took it recently. Yep. Mm -hmm. And Jerry said, well, as a woman... Uh, well, we as women are harder on ourselves than men are on us. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yes. You're right. That's that negative self-talk like I was talking about mm-hmm. in, in Mary Shore's book, Constant, Conscious Communications. Like the self-talk, the shame, the guilt, the remorse. And this is where in, you know, I always am so clear to say shamelessly and guiltlessly, let's talk about what's real to us because that's what makes a difference in this world. If we know you know, what we will and won't accept for us and also to hold ourselves to the highest standards. We are worth it. If we know our own value, mm-hmm. we are worth it. And again, you know, Brittany has a 12 year old sister, hence my 12 year old youngest daughter is thinking about, okay, building her confidence so that she's not influenced, taken advantage of and used. Right. Mm-hmm. But look, it's not just limited to young girls. It is us in our fifties. And this is a beautiful conversation. I'm going off on a tangent because we have a bunch of questions to go through, but I had a client talk to me recently. She goes, you know, I'm in my fifties, I'm dating. And one thing that I recognized was that the longer I waited to be intimate, even though I like, Oh, I'm, I'm turned on by this guy. I'm dating this guy. I really like him. He's successful. This and the other, the longer I waited, hence the one to 10 steps, the longer I waited, the um, sooner I realized like, oh, no, I'm not getting involved with this person. I'm not spending another. I don't want to share my myself with this person because they're just not up to they're not up to my standards. I'm not getting what I need from this person. And the longer we delay in that intimacy because of the very powerful hormones, oxytocin and dopamine that can affect our clarity in thought mm-hmm. <laughs> can affect us the sooner that sooner that we get involved intimately that oxytocin will make us feel bonded to someone that may not be our right partner and how powerful this intimacy is and i think that just again comes towards understanding yourself your non-negotiables and not hesitating, taking your time. We're in this for the long run. There's no race against time, whether we're in, we're 50s, I'm 53, as a single mom with a 12-year-old, whether I'm, you know, we're in our 60s, whether we're in our 70s, I have a woman who's 72, and and um, both her and her new husband have been widowed for over a decade, met at a high school reunion, reconnected in their 70s, and are having the best most uh, loving relationships of their lives. And just to hear that there's no race against time. And so don't sell ourselves short. And I, and I say that to other, other single women, single moms, you know, there's no race against time. Don't sell yourself mm-hmm. short, know your standards, know your non-negotiables and have your voice speak up for yourself. And then again, knowing your body, this is where we're coming to today in sex ed 20 and beyond is, is knowing your body too. And it goes for men too. Everything we're saying also (laughs) goes for men too. But yeah, it goes back to that, that validation. Don't, don't continue to seek validation elsewhere. Like find it within yourself first and foremost. And then when you do find someone that you're willing to swap the microbiome with, it's going to be that much better. (laughs) So let's see some of our questions we have here. Okay. So now let's get into 
let's let's get into more of say the yeast infection and UTIs. These yeah. seem to be yes. these are very common. Yeah. So a client of mine who was divorced for twenty years. Here she and again. She raised her children, divorced for over 20 years, uh, fell in love and called me one day. She says, Dr. Ann, I'm, have, I'm on my third urinary tract infection and it is worse. You know, it's worse. I always get it after sex and um, struggling. My doctors, I'm on my third round of antibiotics and my doctor wants to put me on continuous antibiotics. I don't feel that's right. What do you suggest? I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. First of all, we call that honeymoonitis. I'm glad you found someone you love and that's really cool. But, um, we do call that honeymoonitis and it's often, especially as we get older, but certainly at any age that the bacteria getting into the urethra causing, often causing a urinary infection. And so what we have to do, I said, we have to do these few things, Nina, this is what we have to do. She's 57 years old. First of all, urinate after sex, number one. Number two, start, increase your vitamin C to 2,000 to 4,000 international units per day. Okay. Number two, so vitamin C can help create an environment inhospitable to bacteria, let alone viruses, if we haven't heard that already, that's really important. So at least 2,000 to 4,000 international units a day of vitamin C, and then a probiotic daily to improve your natural bacterium. Because she's older too, what we do is also Jolva, anti-aging cream for the vulva to re to nourish that tissue topically, applying Jolva. So uh, Jolva, my combination of ingredients that put together, you apply it clitoris to anus and, and keep that tissue really healthy. She hasn't had a single urinary tract infection since intimacy continued to improve on emotional and relational levels as well. And they are engaged, moved in together and have a wedding dates set, nice. which I love that because it oftentimes too, in, in this time period, perimenopause, menopause, men find Viagra and testosterone and women are like, um, I have vaginal dryness. I'm suffering. Mm -hmm. I'm struggling. And we hear this uh, in my patient population, you know, ad nauseum. Honestly, there's just so much of this issue until we address the female sexual health issues. We're not going to have that, you know, continued intimacy because no one wants to hurt each other. No one wants to disappoint each other. And then women are just powering through. But there's no like, how long can you fake it? You're having pain every time you do something. You're not going to want to do something. Yeah. Right? Why would you want to do that? Exactly. Exactly. And that's an important consideration. That's why there's like over a thousand testimonials on, mm -hmm. on my website. Yes. So you guys check that out too, because that's really an important. April was laughing. She's like, swap the microbiome. <laughs> yeah. oh, can you imagine what my children have to go through with me as their mom? Yeah. <laughs> like, do you really want to swap the microbiome with that person? Oh my gosh. So funny. What about right. coconut oil? Jerry coconut. asks. Coconut oil and coconut oil is in Jolva. So there is some coconut oil in, in Jolva. And coconut oil is a great lubricant. Again, that is a, a can be used as a lubricant and as a moisturizer, whereas Jolva is restorative. It is restorative. So to help that turn back the, the hands of time, so to speak. So that combination really has helped with urinary tract infections. The other thing I want to hit on is self-pleasuring because like this, read the question that you yeah. had about self-pleasuring. Again, I don't like the word masturbation. I've written a blog on this where the origins of that word comes from. And so I often refer to self-pleasuring and we'll talk about this again, knowing what 
what you like, knowing what you don't like is as individual as your fingerprint. And also discovering that whether you are in a new relationship or you've been married 30, 40 years, it doesn't matter. Understanding what you like and being able to communicate that is one of the most healing and reigniting things you can do in any in any relationship. Okay, so we have a couple questions regarding self-pleasuring. One being how many times is too many when it comes to pleasing yourself? Is there a healthy limit? And the second being okay, so let's start this one. Okay. Like is it is there some something called too much self-pleasuring? And that's a really good question, which I have no experience on. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, is it like, and that's the whole thing, like how much is too much self-pleasure? Is it affect, and like with any addictive behavior, are there negative consequences like yes. drinking too much or eating too much or, you know, you know, that concept of, of masturbation or self-pleasuring too much? Mm -hmm. Is it affecting other areas of your life? Do you, and intuitively, does this feel good? Does this not feel good? Is this affecting me in a, in a healthy way or an unhealthy way? Mm -hmm. And those are the questions we have to ask ourselves. And also I, I am, you know, and this goes into another aspect of, of the next question is, is vibrator trauma. Like, are we self-pleasuring by doing, you know, I, I teach this in sexual CPR. It's the, the fire breath orgasm that uh, Barbara Carella had uh, shared with me her technique for fire breath orgasm, being able to breathe energy and vibration and sexual energy into your body, which is very healing. Michelle Alva, another sexual health expert, is just understanding your body, loving, loving your body and, and, and how that feels to awaken your sensations in a very gentle, loving way versus vibration trauma, which can give, we had a client say this shard glass like, or numb. Yeah. Nerve damage. She's nerve wondering damage. if it causes nerve damage. Definitely with um, strong vibrations can absolutely cause nerve damage. So I recommend definitely taking, you know, is if this is at all, if any trouble with orgasm or uh, feeling of numbness is to number one, is to stop using the vibrator and also the light, lightest, gentlest touch can stimulate. And we talk about this in, in a practice called orgasmic meditation that you, you do. It's a sexual practice, but it's not sex. And it is the lightest touch on the clitoris, which is often the nerve endings are significantly damaged with vibrator trauma. So as you reawaken these nerve endings, you can often get this. It's often described as a, a broken glass uh, experience, this, you know, very uh, essentially almost pins and needles type of experience as the nerve endings start to open up. So the lightest, gentlest touch can help reawaken the nerve. So no matter how much they've been damaged, and it can take weeks to, you know, can take several weeks to reawaken these nerve endings. And then the slightest touch can be very, very powerful. And as you, again, sensate focused, reawaken and heal these nerve endings that are often, these nerve endings are often damaged by vibrators, vibrator trauma. So it's essentially like when you detox your body and then you slowly start to implement things back in, everything affects you in a, a little way. at a, at a higher way in, in it's, easier to see what really works for you and what doesn't. Now, would you say the same advice for someone that maybe they don't use a vibrator, but they just, they just use their hand, but maybe 
they explore different aspects like mm-hmm. lightest touch to the firmest touch, you know, mm-hmm. and, and then you know, the vulvar lips versus the clitoris, like to mm. explore other areas, other erogenous zones. Like women are very fortunate in this way. We have erogenous zones all over our body. Men just have one area of focus. All right, ladies, can you agree with me here? Mm-hmm. I mean, seriously. Cheryl said, I haven't had. Oh, I'm, I'm you want me to read it? Thank you. Cheryl said, I haven't had um, in years. I think there's a missing word, but. Isn't it possible your partner can be transmitting a yeast infection back to you if they didn't get treated? Yeah, absolutely. Mm, I absolutely. did not know that. Question. Yeah, yeah very good. Uh, you know, it, it can definitely, and I always think, you know, we never mm-hmm. treat an individual in isolation. We always treat a couple, and that's really important too, especially in regards to sexual health. So we always want to address a couple together. And, and that makes a big difference. Many men getting testosterone therapy in Viagra, where does that leave the woman, right? Discontented and feeling inferior. So you, the women's sexual health has to be addressed at the same time as the man's sexual health. Mm-hmm. And so that's really important. As a um, sexual health expert, always uh, my priority was to treat a couple together so that they're in sync with their sexual health, with the changes of aging that can take some of that intimacy away and how important it is to, to stay connected in that way. So that's a, that's a great question. Mm-hmm. Men and women need to be treated together. So with the, con- the consequence of recurrent vaginal yeast infections, it's one thing, number one, of course, get keto green. And number two, antifungals. And so um, coconut oil is an antifungal, but the keto, my keto green program, especially coming out in my new book, Keto Green 16, it's here somewhere amidst my books I wanted to show you today. But Keto Green 16 is a powerful program that is very low glycemic, so you're not feeding yeast. And that can help you overcome it, as well as using antifungals, botanical antifungals, as well as prescription antifungals to help nip yeast infection in the butt, but ultimately we have to break up with sugar. We have to eliminate sugar to completely get rid of yeast infection for the long haul. Now, would you say that the health of your gut, the microbiome of your gut is, is as one of the key components to your vaginal health? Absolutely. The, the, I would say the vaginal vaginal health is an extension of gastrointestinal health. I mean, the mucosa within our intestinal lining and as a gynecologist, I, you know, I think it is the, honestly, the most honorable profession in the world and the most amazing people become gynecologists for the most part. <laughs> and, you know, what, what can I say? The most heart centered people, but ultimately we can tell a lot from a woman's vagina. Honestly, we, mm. we can see, are they inflamed? Are they, do they have constant infections? And that can be a reflection of what's going on intestinally. Is there yeast infection? Is there SIBO, small intestinal bowel overgrowth? What other factors are going on? Do we have a, 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 a disruption in the health of our mucosa, whether it's from bacteria, fungus, parasites, yeast? And vaginal health is really a important aspect. So, mm-hmm. you know, as a gynecologist, I, I am pro-healthy vaginal health. And of course, how it affects the rest of the body, but improving our gut health, our gastrointestinal health, why I'm so passionate about my mm-hmm. keto green way of doing things, because it does reset, restore, and re-inoculate our physical and gastrointestinal health, Getting gut to the health, r- bacterial health, yeah. et cetera. Getting to the root, not just masking it with pills or pharmaceuticals or... Absolutely. So we have a Facebook, Facebook user posts... 
No sex drive help. Can what can I take besides Jolva? Now, this is where sexual CPR comes in. Sexualcpr.com. There is my download for free, Arousal Secrets download. Sexualcpr.com. Arousal Secrets. And you get that download. And my full course is a four or five week course with relationship technique, but also anatomy, hormonal issues. Sex drive is one of the most complicated areas in medicine right? And especially when it comes to women, men, pretty easy, give them some Viagra, give them some testosterone, and they are good to go for the most part. But I I am making light of this. There's so much more to men's health. Hence a whole male's chapter in here in Keto Green 16. But um, women's health, it's much more complicated because our brain is a predominant sexual health organ. And also our voice, right? Being able to express what we like, what we don't like. So in my whole program, first there's arousal secrets, but in sexualcpr.com, my first class is called Help Doctor, Call 911, My Sex Drive Has No Pulse. And I go through... 11 key areas that I really want you to look at. What were your earliest sexual messages, right? Were you catcalled? Were you abused? Were you objectified? And and that didn't resonate truth for you. You you slowly closed off your sexuality. I know that was true for me. You know, my daughter asked me today, you know, mom, you're going to share your story about what happened to you. And we were talking about, you know, I had shared with them, you know, my first experience, my first sexual experience was date rape. And that was my first sexual experience. I was nearly 21. I was in college. And and that was my first experience. And then that distorted for a long time, my understanding of my own body, my own desires, and also my own ability to say yes, and my own own ability to say no. And I think I know I'm not alone in this. And so I think that's really, really critical when it comes to what's going on with their sex drive to understand the hormonal changes, the early sexual messages, maybe our religious and spiritual beliefs around sex, as well as understanding what we will accept, what we won't accept. I have a friend of mine who I was talking to recently, one of the most beautiful, sexy women. She just had a baby. And, and she said, you know, I used to think of sex as a, as a sport, And now I recognize how important my, you know, how important my, not only my yes is, but how important my no is. And I'm not willing to compromise, to share myself outside of a a significant, intimate, loving, caring relationship. And it took me a long time to get here, but I'm so empowered now that I'm here. And I think it goes to that um, question we had earlier like, why do I feel the need to, how did that question read again? Why do I feel the need to lay with the man and to only to feel used afterwards with no pleasure? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's a lose-lose situation. Lose-lose. Mm-hmm. Um, and it goes back to that validation. I feel like, I mean, I think naturally we're, we're, we're creatures that want that connection. We want that bond. And I mean, with, the power of oxytocin. I feel like we're on a hunt for it sometimes. And that's the power of oxytocin too, because I think women need to realize too, oxytocin different for men than women, but sexually for women, oxytocin is that bonding hormone. So for two weeks, now there's a reason we get a surge in testosterone at ovulation. Hence we want to mate because that is our peak reproductive time with orgasm pleasure. We increase oxytocin that binds us to this person 
that may be totally unfit for us as a partner. And we're all of a sudden making irrational decisions of how that person should fit into our lives and how our non-negotiables no longer are non-negotiable. And we compromise ourselves and our values to make us fit because of that power of oxytocin. And this is where physiology really drives behavior. And this is often where I run into some controversial discussion, which I'm open to, Mm -hmm. but this is, this is physiology. This is biology and understanding, understanding how powerful oxytocin is, why there are, are one to step 10 steps for physical intimacy. And it's not, should not be tread upon lightly. We need for our understanding, our edification, our own sanity, sanity, (laughs) pleasure, confidence, honor yes absolutely who we are yeah that we we take these steps with um intention and we demand yeah the pace that we individually want to go out and not and not feel like so many women do like this is the next step to getting to know someone is is sex when Mm -hmm. you know our non-negotiable we don't even know this person and the more we know this person we're thinking what the hell was I thinking possibly? Maybe mm-hmm. that's just me, y'all. No, I'm I'm laughing because I'm thinking of a time that I was heartbroken over someone that I I thought I was in love with and I wrote a love letter and it happened to be after just uh, uh, visiting him. And you said, why? Why did you not come to me first? <laughs> you need to wait at least two weeks before you write any love letters. Um, because it it was ongoing on, so I thought, oh, maybe this is it. And I think he really does love me just like I love him. And then, and it was definitely a surge of oxytocin that, that gave me that hope with, um, lack of confidence, him on a, just a normal level, essentially to find out where that, so I, going back to com- communication of not only how important it is for us while we are intimate, but outside of intimacy, if we want to go take it as far as intimacy, because you might not be on the same level. Not on the same level. And that can be more painful. Later. And that feel, oh, it feels so crappy afterwards. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, you just, it's when. And that's where you understand the, the power of our hormones and our yes. hormones of connection, where there's an evolutionary reason for that. That oxytocin bond mm-hmm. was there to, if you're pregnant, to sustain you for the duration of that pregnancy, right? Is mm-hmm. to sustain you with the father of the child who is the protector is going to get food and bring sustenance to the family that is now his responsibility to caretake as you, you know, uh, give birth to this child, right. And Mm -hmm. take care of this child and family. So there's an evolutionary reason for these hormones of connection and bonding as well. And Mm -hmm. we need to honor that. Like do not think lightly, do not tread lightly. And I have worked with clients and I have, um, been aware of organizations that are like, okay, we'll just eliminate that, you know, have enough sex so that you no longer feel connected to that instinctual urge. And that's damaging. Mm-hmm. That is so terribly damaging. And when I first heard that for the first time, I, I definitely stood up 
and 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 spoke against that because we have to honor our physiology. There's a reason for a physiology. When we go against our physiology, we go against our soul, mm. our soul purpose, and then we're denying what our soul really wants. Mm-hmm. And so acknowledging, acknowledging that, understanding that, and also being able to make the right decisions. Like I know that I am going to feel this way. I need to take my time before I and get to know myself better in this relationship because sometimes we are a different in different relationships, right? That's the truth. Yes. And I need to get to know this other person better to see that it is someone that I want to open my arms, open my doors, to open my life, to open my heart to. Mm-hmm. And, and that natural progression of developing deep relationship is what makes you know, what makes love really special, which makes longevity really special, which makes, you know, being in relationship really special. I make that choice mm-hmm. of the right one for us for the long term versus looking back and saying, oh, shit, what was I thinking? Yeah. Cause yeah, we, I feel like majority of us can also agree with that statement. As you said, what was the quote? Southern Southern women don't like to talk about their exes. exes. They don't want people to other women to oh. know how stupid we were. <laughs> you live and learn. You live and learn. Live so and that's learn. why we're here having real discussion with real thoughts, with real women. Francine said wholeness. Wholeness. Absolutely right, Francine. This, a Facebook user says if you can discuss uh, HPV remedies. Oh, great. Yeah. And I promised one of my Instagrammers that I talk about um, fibroids. fibroids as well. So with HPV, HPV is a virus, right? And a virus, you know, in this time of pandemic and we talk about coronavirus and we recognize, I mean, really, this is a reality check. We can get a virus into our system just from being around someone within six feet. What do we get when we transmit body fluids, right? Certainly in sperm, in semen, there is RNA and DNA, which are adjuvants, which can actually cause a immune cascade within us, right? An autoimmune reaction within us. And so it's really important, hence my whole thing on, you know, who do you want to swap your microbiome with? I don't know. My kids think that's really special. <laughs> but um <laughs> but it, you know, but HPV, human papillomavirus, is sexually transmitted, as as we know, with HIV, sexually transmitted, and many other condyloma. You know, con- so HPV causes human papillomavirus causes condyloma can also be is the key contributing virus to cervical cancer. We know of other sexually transmitted things such as chlamydia bacteria, right? Bacteria and parasites, trichomonas. Chlamydia, gonorrhea, syphilis, all of these things are are sexually transmitted. And so with human papillomavirus, one thing that I found very successful in working with my patients that had either warts or abnormal pap smears is number one is to detoxify from exogenous estrogens, plastics, phthalates, parabens, chemicals, birth control pills to really, you know, uh, balance our hormones. That's, that's been, that's very helpful. The second thing, and it's all about detoxing from sugar, getting right keto green, cleaning up sugar, cleaning up yeast, but also adding methylated folate and sulforaphane glucosinolate, SGS for short, just SCS for short. I use Zymogen's product called Oncoplex ES for my clients with HPV or history of condyloma or abnormal pap smears. The combination of Oncoplex ES or SGS of urethane glucosinolates, which is from broccoli seed extract. And again, they're, um, you know, it's a powerful combination that can really help 
your body fight off viruses. And that can, you know, that can make a huge improvement of what I experienced in my clients who had HPV or abnormal pap smears when I used methylated folate and Oncoplex ES together or sulfurophane glucosolinates, we say that, SGS for short, that's why we have abbreviations, <laughs> that we see an improvement. And actually, by the time I do, did a surgical procedure, the results would be negative or pap smears would come back normal and, and, and or condyloma would recede as our body fights off these viruses. So, so thanks for that question. That is something that I've, I've definitely, I definitely talk about. I use clinically, this is my kind of clinical cocktail to help clients with abnormal pap smears and HPV. Now, the question with fibroids that came up in my Instagram community about, you know, painful fibroids are trying to conceive, like, what can we do to help our body get rid of the fibroids? Number one, detoxification. We need to detox. So this, again, in my books, The Hormone Fix and Keto Green 16 coming out May 5th, there's this, this a plan that goes beyond what we eat in order to detoxify. It's 25% about what we eat, but critically important. But that's critical. And I also found that clients with fibroids benefit often from establishing healthy progesterone levels over being estrogen dominant. So sometimes we, depending on the age, using additional progesterone and also, again, detoxification. Oncoplex ES can help or sulfurophane glucosinolates as well as methylated folate and understanding what's happening to your body. So for fibroids, there's a couple resources I love. A beautiful book called Healing Fibroids Naturally is one of my favorites, as well as there are some great books that are all on periods. So Nicole Jardim's Fix Your Period, Lara Brighton's B-R-I-D-E-N, Period Repair Manual, Jolene Brighton's Beyond the Pill. All of these are great sources. Um, Nicole Jardine just put out Fix Your Period. And again, a very important resource for every cycling woman. And also to understand if you had menstrual problems early on. Thank you guys mm. for that. Yes. So we do have another question regarding coconut oil. I I know we touched base that it is one of the ingredients in Jolva, but this woman asks, is coconut oil safe for self-pleasure and is it safe to use as a lubricant? And if so, is it safe all the time? Okay. Now this is a really good question because MCT oil, coconut oil is antibacterial, antifungal. So it can affect your natural flora. So the beautiful thing about Jolva is we use it topically, clitoris to anus versus vaginally. Vaginally on occasion is absolutely fine, beneficial, and also for restoring health using coconut oil vaginally is fine periodically, but we don't want to do it every time. So the goal, and that's why Jolva is very beneficial, it's restoring your natural moisture so that you're lubricating naturally yourself. And again, we're not interfering with the vaginal microbiome, vaginal bacteria that's healthy and that we need. And so I would say definitely this is where keto green comes into that you're getting healthy fats in your diet to help support the membrane. And while I love coconut oil as a lubricant, I also have a DIY do-it-yourself lubricant that has some fractionated MCT oil, fractionated coconut oil, aloe vera gel, which is very soothing and healing, and as well adding some essential oils. And that can be a very nice lubricant that's balanced. A little bit goes a long way because number one, you don't want to suffer and have pain. 
you know, when you're having lovemaking intimacy with your love of your life, right? You don't want that. So, and, and you don't want to have the negative consequence afterwards of having more issues. So that is why, number one, Jolva, number one, why I formulated Jolva the way I did to be externally applied and topical mm -hmm. so that we're not interfering and in fact, improving our vaginal health, improving our vaginal pH, improving our sensation of pleasure. So that's a really, really good question. But again, if you're, you know, if you're also having sex, needing to use coconut oil every day, I'm just like, congratulations. <laughs> so that kind of goes hand in hand with another question we got. This woman, she's worried about not being able to self lubricate as she gets older. And she's wondering if the term, if you, if you don't use it, you lose it is true. And what certain foods or activities can help with this, as you mentioned, keto green diet and, of course, lifestyle. And But what do you think about the term, if you don't use it, you lose it? Is that same for the whole female, female anatomy, you think? Well, I mean, if we don't exercise our tricep muscles or bicep muscles, we're going to lose our muscle definition, right? Same with our pelvic floor. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Like pelvic floor exercises are important. I have a great video in my YouTube channel about the right way to do pelvic floor exercises or Kegel exercises, because it is important that we exercise our muscles for the rest of our life. I always told my pregnant patients, you know, here's the right way to do pelvic floor exercises and you do this till you die. <laughs> so it, it is, it is critically important because the last thing we want is incontinence prolapse. And so like we would exercise our core, exercise, you know, our legs, exercise our arms, exercise our brain. It's as important to exercise our pelvic floor. And mm -hmm. definitely, it absolutely makes a difference. And I know I've worked with women who have been abstinent for, for decades. And what they have found, is, and certainly what we realized and recognized, is that how important it is to keep our pelvic floor tissue healthy through pelvic floor exercise and giving it the nourishment it needs. So hence, Kegel or pelvic floor exercises till we die, use Jolva as a preventive maintenance and probiotics, healthy diet, avoid yeast infections and continue. I think I'm doing my pelvic floor exercises right now. You can't tell, can you? <laughs> nope. All together now. Right. So I'm aware that the, the Kegel exercises and pelvic floor exercises can also help enhance orgasm. But we have a question asking, how can she achieve multiple orgasms? Is that something that is every possible? Woman can achieve, every woman can achieve that. Absolutely. Mm, every every woman. woman can achieve multiple orgasms. And I think this is really goes into, again, knowing what pleases you, knowing what pleasures you, being at home in your body mm -hmm. and understanding what feels good and what doesn't feel good and, and voicing it. And, and this is really important. I remember a, um, what was it? What was it? Two men and a baby. I don't know. It was some funny, what, <laughs> two, Sheen, Sheen, Charlie Sheen yeah. was in it. What was his name? Two men, two something, men something. Yeah. Anyway, but there was this funny episode where I guess the, the lead actor was having, um, after intimacy with his significant other, he comes back and says, did you have an orgasm? And she goes, yeah. She said, yeah, I did. And he goes, well, I didn't realize it. She goes, well, I did it while you were downstairs getting water, <laughs> you know? And I think that's really, really critical to be able, again, to communicate what you like, what feels good, and to have certainly partnership. And also, again, knowing what pleases you and being able, again, feeling safe communication to have that with your with your partner, your love of your life, your relationship that lasts in eternity and how much better 
it is when you can do that. So knowing your body, knowing what feels good and not being afraid. Like if we are, if we are, if we're questioning like, oh, you know, I don't feel comfortable saying this, or I feel like this is taking too long, or, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm creating, you know, I don't want him, like, for example, even in um, oral sex or in sex that, you know, I think there's a good philosophy that she comes first, right? Because men have more or less control over that aspect, (laughs) depends on how you look at it. But understanding like your pleasure is really, really important. And number one, I talk about this in sexual CPR, is that your pleasure is his pleasure. And Mm -hmm. so once you recognize that and own that, there's more pleasure to be had together. And, And stepping into that situation is transforming when it comes to intimacy in a relationship and and helps with the longevity of, of a healthy marriage. Absolutely. Two and a half men. That's the name. Two of and a half men. Yeah. That was just hysterical. That yeah. Was a good one. Okay. So Gay wrote, hi, I feel like the oldest woman in America who still has a period. I'm 55. I had a regular cycle and, until this month. I thought excitedly I might be finishing. It was a six week cycle. And then I started my period. I do have one other friend who was 56 when she, when her period stopped. How common is this? My mom was done at 49 and my 50 year old sister is going through menopause. Well, bravo, Gay. You must be doing something right. And I thank you for writing in. And also it's not uncommon right now because of the amount of stress in America and the news that that's affecting our cycles. Many women are having some disruption in their period, either breakthrough bleeding, irregular cycle, worsening PMS, as well as some of the neurologic symptoms that come along with chronic cortisol and stress, such as anxiety, depression, mood swings. And, and so the fact that you're 55 having regular cycles or continuing to have your period, that's beautiful. We say the average age is 52 plus or minus. So you're within a healthy range as long as it's healthy for you. Now, as a gynecologist and obstetrician, like my favorite thing to do is do pelvic ultrasounds and look at the uterus, look at the ovaries, look at the endometrium. And as a a diagnostic tool, pelvic ultrasounds are very, very helpful. So with even just a simple diagnosis as irregular menstrual cycle, getting a peace of mind pelvic ultrasound is is very beneficial. But if this is regular for you, you don't see a change, you don't see a shift, then it's healthy. And and you're not alone. I I have to say that the oldest woman, I'm just going to tell you, the oldest woman that I delivered a baby from was 55. So congratulations. (laughs) Naturally conceived, by the way. Yeah. Well, while we are on the the topic of pregnancy, we do have a question regarding that. This woman um, has been trying to get pregnant for over a year now. She was never on birth control, and she's also gone to her doctor, and she has said everything is fine. Is there anything she can do differently? How old is she? That is not clear. Disclosed. So I think that's really important to understand. Sometimes there are immunologic reasons for this, we call this unexplained infertility. First of all, you know, when I give a, like, I'm not giving a diagnosis, I'm not giving medical advice, but what I would say is get as healthy as you can absolutely be. I love to share the story of a client of mine from New York city who was 45 years old, had failed. And I hate that word too, 
had failed six cycles of in vitro fertilization with, with donor sperm. So on her last three embryos, she um, enlisted my help. I had her get alkaline, just focus on getting alkaline, improving her physiology, actually cooking some bone broth in her New York City tiny apartment. And uh, she had her last three embryos to work with. So again, let me just emphasize this. Mid-40s, six failed cycles, last three embryos, and focusing on her physiology. So between working with me, taking Mighty Maca Plus, doing some bone broth, focusing on getting alkaline, and doing acupuncture, this client on her seventh trial of in vitro fertilization with her last three embryo became pregnant with twins. And we, we spent some time with her. Yes. Twin boys delivered healthy twin boys in her, I think, 46 years old, 45, 46 years old. Healthy twin boys. Those boys are now three years old and we just love them. But what a blessing. So first of all, never give up. I was diagnosed at age 39 with infertility and early menopause. And in, in as an OBGYN, highly trained, you know, we don't talk about reversing that. But what I was able to do and why I'm so passionate about teaching and why my books, The Hormone Fix... I, ta- I say it takes more than hormones to fix your hormones, right? And many people watching have have read The Hormone Fix, but that is is number one, your first resource. It is my magnus opus. It is information I want every woman to understand. But I was able to reverse, with the grace of God, able to reverse my early menopause and infertility to conceive a healthy baby at 41 years old. And now I am 53 with a 12-year-old. Oh, <laughs> Oh, divine. No, it's it's a blessing, a hundred times a blessing. So first of all, if you have that hope, you have that love, never stop seeking for answers. Don't give up on yourself. Create a healthy environment within you that honors you. All right. So we have another question regarding wanting a better understanding of the changes that happen after pregnancy Mm -hmm. up into ending breastfeeding. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And also definitely true, like with breastfeeding or with postpartum, the pelvic floor floor relaxation. We have a hormone in pregnancy called relaxin. And thank God Mm -hmm. for that relaxin hormone. It allows our connective tissue to give, right? It allows our pelvic floor to relax Mm -hmm. and so that we're able to birth a a baby through our birth canal. And so whether we had a baby with C-section or vaginal delivery, those hormones are at play. Pregnancy level hormones of estrogen, estriol, uh, progesterone, and and relaxin, not to mention prolactin that is helping us breastfeed. And with that, every time we're breastfeeding, we're getting oxytocin. So we're really getting nourished and feeling this love and connection with this baby. And sometimes you know, we're not missing the necessarily the intimacy with our with our spouse or the, the baby's father. And, and that is important to understand this physiologic shift in connection. But pelvic floor issues, so pelvic floor exercises, probiotics, healthy fats, I mean, so important to be keto green during this time as well, that we're nourishing our hormones, getting enough healthy fats, nourishing our body really well, and also exercising our pelvic floor so that we can strengthen our pelvic floor to uh, rehabilitate it. Honestly, it's a, you know, to rehabilitate it after, after pregnancy, again, whether we had a vaginal delivery or a C-section. Interesting mm-hmm. how it happens, even if you had a C-section mm-hmm. too. And this will also help with incontinence absolutely, as well, because Absolutely. we see a lot of women 
that have that as well. As did I, and hence why I created Jolva and do my <laughs> programs and do my plans and do Kegel exercises or pelvic floor exercises the right way. Yeah. Because I had four big babies. Mm-hmm. I had four big babies, and and I and I, I remember doing P90X one time, and I'm like, oh, now I understand what the P stands for, right? Like that was not okay in my at 40 years old or however old in my early 40s to not have bladder control with exercise. And I'm not alone. I'm not ashamed because I understand anatomy and physiology. And when we're neglecting, self-neglecting a certain part of our anatomy, especially our pelvic floor, that we're going to have these consequences, a normal part of postpartum pregnancy, but we have to strengthen. Like we strengthen our arms, we strengthen our mind, we strengthen our um, intuition, we need to strengthen our pelvic floor. Again, prime real estate. We have indeed oh, prime so real estate. Eloise, I'm 55 with a 12 year old. Yay, yay, yay. So Eloise writes, thank you for sharing. I started getting very strong headaches during intense orgasms. They subside quickly, but mentally I find myself holding back because I'm focusing on what might happen. Mm. I'm 64. That's Elaine. I've had this issue before too. I had a client who was 62 years old. She came in to see me. She has been found testosterone and Viagra. Right. And, and she said that she had significant pain on intercourse and she was having significant trouble with migraines and, and didn't want to have any part of having sex on evaluation of her. I also, she had also had a hysterectomy and a bladder procedure. And so she had, you know, pain with intercourse because of suture that was coming through the vaginal wall. Anyway, worked with bioidentical hormones to help her with this. And in that working with bioidentical hormones to help her with this, she says, you know, Dr. Anna, I haven't had another migraine and I've had the best orgasms of my life. So what did I do? Essentially an early version of Jolva as well as bioidentical progesterone. And then you want to do a migraine protocol work. So vitamin B2, vitamin B as in boy, vitamin B2 on a daily basis, magnesium L3 and 8, that's in my better brain and sleep formula. And then pure balance cream, which is progesterone and pregnenolone, neuroprotective hormones that we need in the menopause, using that at night, at least five or six nights a week. And, and that is, that can definitely help. That's kind of like my first step. And if you're not, you know, getting complete um, resolution with that, definitely email my team at dranna.com and, and certainly come back on our lives and share with us. So. Wonderful. Have we covered everything? I feel to wrap it up, we have this um, great question, which is the perfect way to wrap this all up. I want to know the proper way to care for my body and self. So as we are explaining to everyone, redefining what it means to be a sexually empowered woman, how can we not only take care of our physical, mental, hormonal, and sexual health? Like what are some easy steps in a, in a brief summary of what we can start focusing on. It really does start with self-confidence and knowing our yeses and knowing our no's and knowing our non-negotiables. And I think that that comes to this self-confidence. And also, again, when I knowing our yeses, know what gives us pleasure, know what doesn't, and being able to communicate it. We lose nothing by communicating our truths. We lose nothing by that. In fact, we can gain the world from doing that. And with that, we gain self-confidence. And then we're not compromising. And especially when it comes to intimacy and sexual confidence. And that enables us to have restorative, healthy, loving relationships, when we are being authentic, when we are very clear 
without the brain fog, you know, created by oxytocin and dopamine, we're very clear with what we want and what we don't want. And I always tell clients, write that down, write that down and get to know your own body, get to know your own body, what gives you pleasure, what doesn't give you pleasure. And so we're not there laying awake in a situation where we feel like, what have I just done? Mm-hmm. Or, or why is, you know, what's the hype about, right? Because right. we're not gaining pleasure. And I hear that from young women all the time, especially with the first sexual experience. I'm like, savor it, wait for it, mm-hmm. wait for it. You know, that steps one through 10, just wait for it, savor it, really know what your truth is, what you love and what you don't love and who who you love. I mean, that makes a difference. It's not underrated. I mean, I think the the society, especially with media and, and movies, that there is such a permissiveness that does not honor our biology, physiology, and our emotional health. And we need to come to this on our own terms, at our own pace, in our own reality, and with our own self-knowledge and grace. And so what I wish for every woman is that she has self-confidence. She is fully in ownership of her giftings and of her purpose and her passions. And she embraces it and emblazons it Mm. in her life. So that is powerful. That is a sexually empowered woman, not a promiscuous, not a whatever all these other terminologies. That's not that. It's that individual feminine sexual energy that is powerful. That is what, you know, our our society and our, more than what our society is based on, what our, what's innate to our being, the truth of our being. And that creates a solid foundation for us as women. And with that, you know, having healthy relationships with ourselves, with those other great girlfriends. And that goes beyond that to our community, to our. But then with our, within that, that self-confidence and that, that, that mental clarity that coincides with, you're going to be more optimistic to take care of yourself physically because our physical aspect is extremely important. As you said, our micro, our gut microbiome is, is, coincide right there with our vaginal health and in everything, our neurological health, our, so you want true. to touch with? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I, I'm just reflecting on the word emblazoned. I love that word emblazoned when it comes to feminine energy and feminine sexual energy that we are emblazoned and honoring mm-hmm. that and, and absolutely healthy. I mean, it starts with health. I love the old proverb that says, when you have your health, you have a, a thousand wishes but when you don't have your health, you have but one. Mm-hmm. And so being healthy, owning our vitality, owning our passions and not cowering, hiding, minimizing ourselves. I think that's really special. I mean, we honor a strong woman, honors other people, raises other people up as well as does not hide her giftings. And I encourage that for each and every one of us and certainly for my beautiful daughters. Awesome. I hope everyone takes that message to heart for themselves and to share it to their daughters, their sisters, their mothers, their friends, and remind them of what it really means to be a sexually empowered woman. I hope that We've answered some questions today. I feel like we touched a lot of, we touched, we, a lot of areas. we touched a lot of areas and I feel like there's so much that can be talked about. 
but we'll see how we'll see how Until next time y'all thank yeah. you for being with me dr anna kabeca the girlfriend doctor and my beautiful daughter Brittany bivens who's sharing this time with me today and i want to let you know that not just i am here for you but we are here for you we are a team i don't do this by myself i'm very grateful for all those in my community for each and every one of you for showing up and also remember that your health is critical for the health of your family and the health of your community and the health of our nation for the health of humanity it starts with each and every one of us taking that ownership and I honor you. You are worth it. And mm-hmm. thank you so much for being here tonight. Please share, spread the word, put your comments from at Dr. Anna C. You can share this, create a watch party, have a discussion, open up the discussion and certainly tag me and, and Brittany with any questions, any comments, mm-hmm. any, anything you want us to hit on in the future. You know that we are here for you and I thank you for being with us tonight. Happy Saturday. Thank you guys. It's Dr. Anna Kabeca and Brittany. We love you. God bless love you. you. Thank you for joining us in that fireside chat with my daughter, Brittany, and me as we spoke on sex ed and the important sexual health has on our overall health for the rest of our life and how holistically we can gain feminine, sexy confidence, and with that empowerment that transitions into so many areas of our lives. I find that so many women, even in their 70s and beyond, are dealing with issues that they never expected they would deal with and are finding a hard time finding healthy answers. I had a client, Anne, who wrote in earlier that she's 71. She'd only been intimate with her ex-husband and had not started dating until recently at 71. And so just wondering what to expect, what not to expect, and what are the guidelines as far as this goes, as well as women in their 20s discovering their own sexuality and what does pleasure mean for them what's a yes what's a no and how do we strengthen our feminine values and in general our values and being able to voice exactly what we want with confidence and what we don't want with confidence and how patience and time can really make a difference in our decision making. So I love always bringing this up to my clients and how important it is. I had a client too that wrote in and about Jolva. She is 72 years old. So we definitely have clients using it in their 30s, 40s, 50 and beyond. But I really love this client who said that it just changed her life, that her and her husband are more intimate now and more expressive sensually than they ever were in their 30-year marriage. So I love hearing these stories and I love that I can help make a difference in your life. And I definitely invite you into the conversation. We will have a part two to the sexual health. So please email in the in your questions to team at dranacabeca.com, team at com, and I'll be sure to bring them up in our next podcast on sexual health. Thank you for being with me today. Till next time, this is Dr. Anna, the Girlfriend Doctor.